This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that loves the big merino, the big banana, but not so sure about the big Australian. Is that I'm Kerry Packer. <laughs> we'll see. We'll right. get to that. All right. I'm Andrew Page, and as you just heard, I'm with Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, Fools. Today on the podcast, the look. Let's just get this out at the front. <laughs> we know it's not interesting, but it has. Oh, but it is. It has to be talked about. We're going to wrap up the federal budget, and most importantly, the implications for investors. And so it is. That's there yeah. is something for you. Stay listening. Yeah, yeah, stay with us. Big changes for the big Australian as well, a name change, a delisting. There's a whole bunch of stuff to tease apart there. We'll dive into that. And also a bit of corporate shenanigans at Fairfax and West Farmers. We will bring you the latest. But first. But first. The budget. Starting off with the lead. Now, I, I'm going to have to call call you out, <laughs> Phillips, because I know that you're the kind of guy <laughs> oh, careful, that clears careful. his calendar, grabs the popcorn, watches the entire budget speech, <laughs> And then listens to the, the talking heads oh. dissect it for four hours afterwards. If only that wasn't true. Budget night is one of my favorite nights of the year for my, for my economic nerdy sins. You are such I a nerd. I actually really like budget night. I, I like the idea of budget <laughs> night and I, I turned it on and I probably got about half an hour in and just thought, oh, I'll read the recap tomorrow. I reckon that's like you watching art house movies. You like the idea. <laughs> I do like the you idea. You want to be able to say, yeah, what's that French film? There are film? certain scenes right. I like in it, but oh. just, you know, let's not go there. Okay. So I but, said art house film, Yes, yeah, Sorry, mate. That's not, that's not a euphemism. I know, a... I know. Right, let's okay. just back away from that Move immediately. On. Done. Whew, that was close. <laughs> Tell us... <laughs> Mr. Phillips, in your opinion, bring this back to some semi-respectable level. What were the big highlights from Budget Night for from, an invest, from an investing standpoint? Look, well, let's start with the big, the big policy highlights. So the key thing was that the budget is apparently, allegedly, according to the Treasurer, mm-hmm. going to be back in the black by 2021. Okay. By, it's about $7.4 billion. A so it's a pretty big turnaround for the budget. Budget surplus. Looking yep. three years out, uh, three financial years out, yep. they're saying the budget will be back in surplus thanks to some changes they've made. And I have to say some reasonably heroic assumptions as well. Yes. Okay. So the big, the big things were, I mean, this was this was the budget that was a, a liberal budget that was allegedly a Labor budget. Mm. And we don't get too much into politics here. But some big tax increases that's very uncoalition. Yeah, right. Um, Especially after what the previous mob were you know, really touting. Right. So a 20% yeah. increase, 25% increase in the Medicare levy for all of us. Mm-hmm. If you want over 20 grand a year, roughly. Extra extra chunk of Medicare levy. That goes to pay for the National Disability Insurance Scheme, or mm. NDIS. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps to fully fund that. Yep. And they're going to whack a nice little levy on our biggest banks, the big five banks. So the big four we know, plus Macquarie, 0.06%, so not much okay. on their liabilities. That's going to raise about $6 billion mm-hmm. over the Ford estimates. That's what the politicians like to call the next four years. Um, and that's going to, both those together, really help to fund some of the gap in the budget and, and does, if they get those assumptions to hold true, put us back in the black in 2021. I think the genius about the bank levy is as well is that, you know, no one's, generally speaking, you know, people aren't great fans of oh, the yeah. banks. They're seen as exactly. super. So we get to raise more money and yeah. you get those bastard bankers at the same time. This was the this is the perfect tax, right? Kevin Rudd thought the mining tax was the perfect tax. Yeah. Didn't quite get it. No. This is exactly the, if you're, if you're a politician, you get to raise a whole lot of money. So 0.06% doesn't sound like much, right? So it's a tiny little tax yeah. and it's on the banks that don't vote and no one likes. And it's not even on your deposits. <laughs> exactly. It's on the big institutional 250 grand plus sort of type Who can possibly that... complain about that? Now, of course, uh, the reality is it's a little bit more complicated than that. We live in an interwoven world. I would say that virtually all adult Australians have exposure to the banks in some way, shape or form. Yes. Most likely, plenty of people with direct shareholdings, of course, but plenty of people 
that'll have that exposure through their super fund. If Even you don't if they're manage, going to manage funds yeah. or anything like that. If you, you don't manage your it. own super, make your own selections, you absolutely guaranteed have banks in your portfolio. And, these, and so let's get to the nub of the issue here. Yep. So the, the, the figure that was started to be booted around the next day, um, someone had crunched the numbers mm-hmm. and, and they reckoned that it was going to hit bank profitability by about 5% Correct. or so. That's a big, that's a big whack. So altogether, banks make about 30 billion dollars with a B mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. and that's going to take about one and a half billion dollars out of that so about five percent as you say right. um it seems a little right 0.06 percent no one could find out a tax that small right the thing is it's on a really 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 large really asset base number. or liability base yeah. in this case for the banks yeah and so you know banks banks handle a heap of cash yeah and make a very small margin on that which is how they get their profits yeah so taking a slither of that even 0.06 so we're talking about six one hundred of a yeah right so of a percentage point yeah. yet that's enough to raise one and a half billion dollars. That's no, how big the banking system is. is. Oh, I can't do the math. Yeah, okay, so um, we've talked about the banks before. We have. Once or twice. I think, I think both of us, for our sins, come down on the slightly bearish side. I think it's all doom and gloom for us. We, mm-hmm. What we've discussed even recently was our concerns of, despite their long-term success for shareholders, despite their lovely, fully frank dividends, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to get a little bit of, you know, the growth that's sort of necessary to really turn that total return into something that you would be confident would be market beating if I can put it in, in, in that kind of uh, language. Yeah. And that's why it's a kind of a, it's a qualified bearishness, right? We're not right. saying it's a bad investment or that you're going to lose money necessarily. Just that the bank structure, the the economic structure, the way it is, you probably won't beat the market holding banks. Well, look, it, it, gets, it, it, it goes, just as a very quick aside, it goes beyond the just academic here. I mean, unless you're out there, if you're direct investing, you want to do a bit better than average because otherwise, why not just buy an index? And we've talked extensively about that as well. So we when we say, you know, we wouldn't do it, it's probably like, you know, what the banks might generate you a six, 7% gross total return. Uh, per annum over the next 10 years. It's, it's not a terrible result. Right, right. That is not a terrible result. But it's not the kind of returns that you're looking for, if, I think, if you're going to sort of, you know, make a, make, take a bit of an interest in this kind of right. thing. So if there's, you're not buy there's the stocks. qualifier. Yeah, if you're not going to buy your own stocks, by the index. If you are going to buy your own stocks, buy something that's going to beat the index. The banks aren't that category. And now we've got this 5% whack to that. Now, one of the things that was also talked about quite extensively on the day is, well, they're just going to pass that on, right? Yep. Banks are very good at doing that. They'll charge higher interest rates. They'll act, you know, there'll be some mechanism that they directly or, or, or indirectly, they'll be able to recoup a bunch of that. True? Totally. And that's, we saw the bank shares sell off the day after the budget. Oh, it's all going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. And then the next day people went, Oh, hang oh, wait on. a sec. <laughs> There's no competition in banking in Australia. Right. They'll That's just make right. mugs like us pay the bill. Okay. How high can that be? So, okay, um, we, so, so we don't spend the whole podcast talking about the banks. <laughs> I, I, fair to say that the, the view really hasn't changed from either of us on the banks? No, I mean, look, it, frankly, it makes it harder for the banks to, you know, at, at, at best, there's no change for their profitability. Yeah. At worst, they lose some amount of profit. Yep. So it's a net negative in almost all scenarios. Um, but no, it doesn't change their view of the banks. The, the share price hasn't moved much. And so I'd still give them a give them a miss unless you specifically want that fully franked income and don't mind not beating the market. Yeah, there'll be a time and place I think we'd happily back up the truck. It's just not this point in time. What about the healthcare sector? So more yeah. money in Medicare. They've uh, removed that a freeze on the indexation of uh, Medicare payments. Uh, what else did they do? Uh, that, that was that was the bulk of it. So in terms of thinking about this, this was a really political budget. This was a budget designed to basically clear the decks. And again, we won't get into the specific party politics of it, but this is a budget designed to pretty much make all the bad stuff go away. Yeah. And so they basically said, look, we don't want the doctors and the the uh, radiology clinics and the testing clinics coming out and saying, hey, you know, these are bad guys. So they basically, well, let's just, that was unpopular. Let's make it go away. Mm. We'll take one more opposition off the table. 
and now the, the radiology, radiology, the, the pathology uh, labs now have no reason to complain. The doctors have no reason to complain because basically the government's get given back what they were going to take away in the last couple of budgets. Yeah, I think it's also clever too in the sense that it's hard. No one likes to pay more tax, obviously, but it's hard for Australians to complain. Oh, we're paying a little bit extra for this wonderful free healthcare system that we have. It's right. it's one of those things as well. well this was this was the, the so the the pathology labs were getting an extra incentive for bulk billing. Yeah, and that that incentive was being taken away, and they were going to freeze the indexation of the payments given to doctors and, and the like. Right. So that indexation is going back on now. Now that had really weighed on companies like Primary Healthcare, Correct. Sonic as well. Sonic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Even some little guys like Capital Health, those kind of mobs that maybe people have heard of. Now they had a bit of a bounce in the wake of that. But yeah. does it change does, now that this is quite cleared up? Are, are you are you all over the healthcare space now, or is it not not that big a deal? It's funny. No, like I like Ramsey Healthcare for very different reasons. So I like. It, so these uh, are the guys that are in the private hospitals, right? Here the biggest and private the hospital world. operator in the country, and one of the biggest in the world. Yeah. Um, healthcare is a funny sector. We won't go too far into the details now, but healthcare comprises lots of everything. You know, people lump in aged care, residential facilities, private hospitals, health insurers, IVF, pathology testing, yeah. IVF. Yeah, it's yep. it's a it's almost too big to be its own sector, frankly. Yeah. But we lump it together. Yeah. Um, so do I care about health? Look, in a healthcare space, I wasn't a big fan of Sonic and, and Primary before. Yeah. Frankly, I, I'm I'm less of a unfan. I, I'm I'm more more disposed towards them now than I was because mm. there was always the risk the government might say we've done the freeze. Now we'll go a bit further and a bit further and a bit further. Mm. You think about the pressure on the health budget. This is yep. the biggest growth sector of the of the, the federal budget. Aging population. If you can keep healthcare that. costs yep. in check. You're going to go a long way towards balancing the budget. And I had expected that the government would push harder on that sector. Yeah. This latest supposedly a lot really... of inefficiency in that in the yeah, space as well. Yeah. But yeah. this 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 change really says signals telegraphs very loudly. Hey, we're not touching healthcare. So if anything, it makes me less bearish about healthcare. Mm. It doesn't necessarily turn me to bullish. See, that's interesting. I, I totally hear you. But when you look at, I mean, I've I've dug into primary quite extensively mm. in the past, and I forget the exact number. But in terms of when you look at the the percentage of their profits that come from the government in some way, shape or form. It's very, very, very significant. Yep, so so any change that does occur on that front has the potential to be huge. Yeah. And as you said, there is gro- there is a substantial and growing pressure on those budgets. So yes, very good that Mr. Morrison's, uh, you know, from this particular perspective has decided to sort of wind things back a little right. bit, but... How do you know that's not going to be the case, you know, two, three years? Yeah. We're, we're making investments over the duration here, right? So yeah, totally. That, that's how does that change for you? That, that's the part I struggle with. I, th- I, think, well, I think because the government's pretty much walked straight away from that. They've, they've, they've been they've burnt. Walked. Future governments will think, well, bloody hell, we're uh, not doing that. Look, it's, or... it's always possible. But any, I mean, any, any regular change is always possible, right? right? So if you're going to say, I'm not going to have anything to do with any company that's regulated by a government or funded by a government in any possible way, yep. you couldn't buy anything because everyone's affected by government to one degree or another. Yep. The reality is the health budget is going to grow. Another government will probably come back at some point and try again, quite yep. frankly. But for the foreseeable future, this current government, and frankly, I don't imagine the, the next Labor government, if and when they do turn up, are going to want to cut Medicare because that's mm. just philosophically not what they do. Yep. Um, I would imagine they're probably okay for three or five years. Okay. All right. Uh, and uh, Ramsey's, uh, just to call out a highlight for you in that space to the listeners, you like Ramsey Healthcare? Yeah, I do. Ram- Ramsey's a buy for us at, at Share Advisor. Um, high quality business, doing great guns overseas. Yeah, he's growing at a really, a really good, good rate. Story. Really yeah. nice returns on equity and assets. Um, high quality business, doing good things. Yeah, my two cents. I'll, I'll nominate Monash. Uh, I like that. These are the IVF specialists here. Um, nice. I, I think they're, they're well worth having a close look at. Motley Fool Money. Let's move, Mr. Phillips, if we can, we can. Um, to... Let's, let's do whatever we want. It's our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> what did you watch on telly last night? <laughs> no, let's keep on, let's keep let's on track. That. Infrastructure. Don't tell me about the budget. I didn't watch a replay of the budget. <laughs> Did you? No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Infrastructure. Yes. So potentially more spending there. Sydney Second Airport going to go ahead. Government's going to fund that. Yep. Uh, Freeways railway, being funded. Yeah. Railways being funded. All of that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
do I pile into the the engineers of, on the market? I hate infrastructure companies. Yeah, me too. I despise infrastructure companies. You, I like the idea of them. But here's the they, deal, right? You've got to go to the government. So the government say, we want to build a road. Yep. They make you all tender for that road. They take the lowest bid. Yep. And it's an open book bidding process mostly. Yeah. So you've kind of got to say, I know it's going to cost me $12 billion to make. Mm. I'll try and charge the government $12.5 billion and hope no one undercuts me. Yeah. Someone comes at 12.4, 12.3, they get the business. So you bid the very lowest margin you could possibly get away with. What tends to happen with construction projects? <laughs> the great they, thing. When they when they have cost overruns, the government never says, happens, surely, well, the government yeah. says, your problem, dude. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not paying for it. Yeah, contractor. So at the very best, you Sucks, get the margin you bid. Yeah. And at worst, you get nothing or you even lose money on the project. You spend billions of dollars doing it. Yeah. It takes lots of years, hugely capital intensive. Yeah. I desperately Share, hate it. Shareholders companies. just haven't done well out of the process. No. You know? and, and that's exactly why. There yeah. is no pricing power. Infrastructure services are a commodity, commodity margins, commodity yeah, prices, really commodity tough, returns. Really, really, really tough business. Having said that, as always, time and a place, but nothing that's really changed from my perspective after the budget for you? No. Okay, let's move on then. Speaking let's, of time and place. Let, let's talk about housing because we have to, and um, <laughs> and we love to do it, and then we'll move on to the other topics of the podcast. But there was a few nuggets for the uh, houses in, in the budget. Um, for first home buyers, you get to save up to 15K per year for two years mm -hmm. in your super account as an accelerated deposit uh, mechanism. Right. So basically, if you save 30 grand, and you can do it both, both Tuville and a couple can do it. So, so that's 60 grand 60 over grand. two years, potentially. Yep. Uh, tax advantage. So it goes into super as if it was a super contribution. So 15% tax. And you can take it out in a tax advantage way. So that's basically what it's doing is giving you a tax break for saving a deposit for your first home. I, again, from a political dimension, I think it's pure genius. Because here we are doing something about housing. Yep. We're not really doing anything about housing. And we're certainly not doing anything about housing in a way that's going to cause prices to go down, which I think every politician that. is going to avoid. Well, Boom, know, boomers vote, dude. You can't and lose, those you can't those dudes have down. a lot of investment property, so they, they've, they've got vested interests. And, and, and a great deal of the voting bloc does as well. So you, you don't want you want to fix housing affordability, but you don't want house prices to go down. Um, uh, so I, I thought it was clever from that front. I'm also a little bit skeptical in terms of how much that moves the dial. Yeah. It, it, it is a net positive. I think people in that situation that are desperately saving for a deposit will welcome this yes. and, and will take advantage of it. And I certainly would as well. Uh, I just don't know how much this really just, you know, this, the, the young couple trying to save one and a half million dollars for a crappy one bedroom house in Sydney. You know, you're it, a bitter man. Yeah, I am a bitter man. You're a bitter man. I'm proud of it. Uh, I just don't know if that moves the doll. You? No, not for me. Okay. Well, let's, uh, one more thing on, on that. They, they said that they were going to uh, sort of, uh, it's just, it's, and another thing, cynicism's coming out thick and fast. Here. Stay tuned for us. We're, we're going to get back to something else in a minute. Just we're, Andrew's going to ramp it for, for 30 seconds or so on property and then we'll move on. <laughs> one day I'll be right. The, the one, um, they, they they are going to allow baby boomers to downsize. Yes, and they're going to give you what three hundred thousand dollars each that tax advantage yep. in in doing that. Uh, unlock a lot of housing stock yep. potentially. Yep. Um, uh, what do you reckon? This Come is on. the one that makes the most sense for me because it really you know if people who have big houses who haven't otherwise um, downsized. Then there's now basically an incentive to do so. If you're thinking about doing yeah, it, you can put 300 grand of that of yep. that money into super. Yeah. So you tax advantage again. You get to effectively fund your retirement. Use some of that capital in a productive way. Will it move the dial? Probably not again. That's um, but this is this is this is a sensible strategy because it incentivizes the 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 unlocking of larger 
properties, larger houses normally, um, and just facilitates a bit of that change and might possibly just help some of that upward pressure on those big house yeah, prices. Yeah, maybe. I just, again, I'm, I, don't, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, people are very emotionally attached to their houses. I, I just don't think it, it, it always gets looked at through that pure hyper-rational economic lens. No, these, these, are, these, are, all, these are all incentives on the edge. Absolutely. Yeah. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Okay, let's let's move on. Let, let's talk a bit about BHP Billiton. We the mentioned big Australian. The, the big Australian. The big Anglo-Australian, as, as I like to call it. That's, well, why would you call it that? Because it's half Australian and half Pommy. Well, now this is what I want to say. Okay, let's, let's, well, take, let's take a step back here. All right. What's going on with BHP, Mr. Phillips? So there's two things going on right now. The first is that a mob out of the US mm-hmm. have a 4% shareholding, yeah. and they're trying to shake up the board. Okay. They're trying to get the company to get rid of its dual listing. It's currently listed. Its shares are trading yeah, in Australia and yep. in London. Yep. Um, they're also trying to get them to sell off their US oil assets. Yes. Um, basically- it's, it's, it's activist investors. Correct. And they basically, they've, they've said effectively words to the extent of, you're going to get $30 billion of cash over the next five years, mm-hmm. and we don't trust you to spend that cash well. Right. So we want you to actually give it back to us and, and you know, pay us more in dividends. Don't go and put that money back into crappy acquisitions, crappy new projects. Yeah. Um, you've done a terrible job thus far. We don't want you to keep doing a terrible job. Give us some of that money back. Thank you very is much. That a fair ch- is that a fair charge? Yeah, done, it, yeah, yeah, it really is. They've some really awful acquisitions. The last one was the Petro Hawk Shale oh, acquisition right. in the oh, US, God, which yeah. is just yeah. a debacle. Yeah. Um, they've, they've had hit and, hits and misses. They haven't shown themselves to be particularly judicious allocators of capital thus far. And so the company's saying, look, you're, you're going to get $30 billion of cash in your in your hands. Mm. I want to get it before you get the chance to waste it on something else. Yeah, right. Now, at the same time, BHP is also rebranding itself. Okay. Taking off the word Billiton because that was all yesterday. That was news. part of a, uh, yeah. That was, the original, that was the original merger, right? Yeah. So that's what gave them the dual listing is Billiton was a US resources, yep. company, a UK resources company. Yep. BHP here in Australia, they merged the two together, called it BHP Billiton. Yep. And we all went on a merry way. So are they share, this is, I think, where most people get confused. If I've got a share in BHP Billiton and I bought that over in the UK. Yes. How is that different from a share that Australia, an Australian might hold that bought it on the ASX? It's effectively the same thing. So it's exactly the same proportional ownership of a business. Yes. Can I sell my UK shares in Australia? No. So there are, there, if you buy the shares in the US, UK, you have to sell them in the UK, mm-hmm. but they are the same economic interest as, as the other. And is it a 50-50 split, a half the shares traded on in the UK and half No, but it doesn't here? really matter where they're traded. All that matters is you own a proportional share of the company. If you own one share out of a million, it doesn't yeah. matter which exchange it's traded on, you own one millionth of that company. Right. I'm just saying in terms of the total share count, though, when they when they first did this deal, were half of those shares available for trade only on no, the UK? No, no. Like... Bilton was a smaller company. So BHP okay. was always the senior okay. partner in that deal. Um, it, it, where, where the shares are traded doesn't matter a lot, except that it costs a whole lot of money to maintain a dual listing. You got to there's the rationale in bringing it all back to one market. Simple things like franking credits earned in Australia can't be paid to, to British shareholders, yeah, so the right. shares are actually worth. Even though the share price is effectively the same in Australia and the UK, yeah, worth the advantage here. to an Australian shareholder is yeah. higher because they get those that franking that is available to real UK economic values. Yeah, right, definitely. Exactly. Um, okay, so it's not a terrible idea then. They also rebranded themselves. Yeah, right. They're no longer yeah. BHP Billiton. They're just BHP. And there's, I don't I, think I, viewers, if, you, if, you can, like if you can close your eyes unless you're driving, and think about the old BHP logo, there was three blobs. You might remember those orange yeah. blobs, the yep. BHP blobs. They're now gone. Yeah. Replaced with BHP. Yeah. Literally, the letters you could, I, I could have got a 12-year-old, a, a five-year-old with a stencil to design the new BHP logo. They paid $10 million. <laughs> For a logo redesign, for a red B, a red H, and a red P. Capital letters. That That's the logo. I, I don't mind it, if I'm being honest. Oh, for $10 million. I, yeah, well, maybe that. I would have done it for half of that. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely mad. Um, 
So, uh, look, I, I actually think, I actually, look, I, I'm... I'm settling down now. Settled down. But settled B, down. BHP is a company that I haven't been fond of for a while. It's one of those ones that gets talked about as... But now you like the logo. I do like the logo. I think it's, I think it's decent, simple, clean. I can use that language. <laughs> um, but, but... Would you buy a car from this, man? This is a company, we've had this mining boom in Australia. And there. Shares in BHP are about the same today as they were 10 years ago. And luckily ago. now they're a better miner because they've got a new logo. Because now they've got a new logo, they're probably worth a whole bunch more. Even Things before, have got to be look, good. Over, I think as far as miners go, it's actually performed <laughs> since 1981. I think it averages about 8% or so per year in share price. So it's very decent for a miner. It's, um, but it's never been that exciting. Even though there might be some rationale behind these moves, and let's say they all get it through, does it change it for you? Are you, are you a buyer of BHP? At these prices, we must always I qualify. have to say, mate, you know what? If Elliot got most of what they wanted away, I'd actually be possibly tempted. Yeah. You know, BHP, all, all miners are, you know, they say you, you you dig a hole, Yeah. and then all you can do is kind of find another hole to dig once you dug that one. You know, you're always going to find yeah. new mines to dig. It means more capital, more whatever. Yeah. If Elliot was able to actually get the board to follow along and pay some of that $30 billion of cash back to shareholders, yeah. it may just change the story a little bit. I, but, think it, I think it does. But then you're back to that original problem that you right. just highlighted. So, well, where's the next, where's the future money cash flow coming from if you've given it all away to shareholders? And quite frankly, they're not going to do what, what they wanted anyway. So they're going to, mm. you know, the usual stuff. Someone says, you're not running the business well. I say, yes, I am. And they come new rebranding and new plans and mm. try and convince the rest of the market everything's all hunky dory and just trust us we'll be right. Yeah. Um, if Elliot managed to get something through, maybe I'd have another look. But right now, no. I, I, look, there's a price for everything, but the price for BHP is much cheaper than today. Get more motley fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. All right, we're on the home stretch. Let's bring it home. All right, we've got so come uh, down, Conrod. We've got it. Caltech's chase. Just in terms of sort of like current That's a cunt. share market. That's one thousand. Oh, is mind. that right? Never okay, yeah, it was yeah. interesting. Liam knows that. One. <laughs> Andrew's got no idea. I'll, I'll laugh later when I get it. Um, th- there was uh, <laughs> there was news from West Farmers and news from Fairfax. There was. On the corporate scenes, we thought we should touch on that. Now, Fairfax has been subject to a, uh, a takeover offer from a TPG, yep. a private equity mob. And now they've come out and they've got another one. It's yeah. even better. So not, not TPG, the telecom, we should say. The oh, telecom, sorry. Yes, but the t- private TPG equity. Capital, the private equity mob yep. from overseas with the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan, if I remember rightly. That's right. Um, now, Hellman and Freeman have turned up. Now, these guys aren't a household name, but they were involved in a bid for Fairfax back in the day. So... These guys have some track record in terms of Australian media assets. Yes. Um, the well, two- a lot of the bigger players have very close yeah. associations with the, the media. The two-rank consortium that some might remember, that was the, that was the, yep. the group put together to make a bid. Um, and they're kind of back in, in play now. So the Fairfax shares were trading about a buck, give or take. TPG came off at $1.20. The share mm-hmm. price jumped to $1.14. So, mm-hmm. okay, people thinking, well, it mightn't go ahead, but it's worth something. Yep. Hellman and Friedman have come and offered between $1.22 and $1.25. Mm-hmm. For the Fairfax business. And yep. So this is very much in play. There was a possibility that maybe the Fairfax board would say no to TPG. Thanks, guys, but no thank you. Yep. TPG have already sweetened the offer once. They originally just wanted some of the assets. Yeah. Then they bid for the whole company. Now, Holman and Friedman are in the story. It seems very, very likely to me that Fairfax is not long for the ASX. Yeah, I think that looks... And I think shareholders m- must be welcoming this as well. The future was looking very uncertain. I mean, the whole thing holding this thing up is domain and the yeah. assets have been well well discussed, so we won't go into it too much further. I think that's the jewel in the crown that everyone's looking to get. Um, uh, yeah, and I think shareholders have have such an uncertain future, have such a tough run over the years. I, I think they would be just chomping at the bit to get yeah. you know two people bidding against each other and getting a decent price and getting the hell out. 
we should say that the, the big risk for this is still the Foreign Investment Review Board and whether or not they're prepared to That's let true. an Australian journalism masthead in or mastheads, yep. City Morning Herald, The Age, the country papers, whether whether the government are prepared to let those fall into foreign hands is still an open question. So if you're, what would the advice be that you would give to someone who's owning Fairfax shares? You just wait for, you, you said it was pretty likely that something's going to happen. If you, it was you, would you just hang around for that offer and take it when it comes? Or do you take advantage of the certainty of today and say, look, the price is high. Maybe there'll be a better offer in the future. I'm taking it. I'm out. I'm done. Bird in the hands worth two in the bush, mate. Dollar twenty four or so the shares are at, actually higher than the TPG price in the middle of the Holman and Friedman price. Maybe it goes a few cents higher, and human nature is to look back and go, "I knew oh, I should have waited." I yeah, mate. You get if this doesn't go ahead, shares fall back to a buck. Yeah. So you're looking at a couple at of lower, upside potentially. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at a couple of percent upside, twenty percent downside. That's take, an easy trade off, right? Take, take the money. I agree. I agree totally. Let's talk about uh, West Farmers. They're it's, spinning off Office Works. Well, they were trying to spin off Office Works. Right. It hasn't quite worked. So they wanted to list Office Works on the market, mm. known as a little bit of a mini Bunnings Office Works, a big yeah. box category killer retailer. Yeah. They wanted to get $1.5 billion for it on the It's ASX. done all right for West Farmers, well. it should be said. Yeah. The problem is that retail, sorry, investors are scared of retail right now because of the threat of Amazon. We've <laughs> talked about Amazon what? lots of times. Yes. Basically, the, the first real casualty of the Amazon arrival is Officeworks. Yeah. Is the Officeworks flow. Yeah. Yeah. West Farmers, and to West Farmers credit, they said, well, if you're not going to get a good you. price, we're not going to do it. So yeah. they've taken the money off the table rather than taking whatever's offered. Um, but yeah, this is, without Amazon, this goes ahead. West Farmers mm. are $1.5 billion richer. Everyone's happy. Officeworks is on the ASX. In the event, basically, the market's going, hey, guys, we're not paying you what you think it's worth. And West Farm is saying, well, if you're not going to pay us that much, we'll keep it. So it remains to be seen that there is a real threat for Officeworks in, in Amazon. Um, very simple products, commodity products. You want, a, you want a pair of scissors, a computer desk, some staplers, some paper. That's, that's Amazon's bread and butter. So mm. Officeworks really does have a significant threat in Amazon. West Farmers, if anyone is probably up to dealing with it, um, but they were hoping to get rid of it and get it on the market before Amazon they turned should, up. They should have done it earlier. In the event, couldn't get it done. Yeah. I, here's the other thing I often struggle with spinoffs. You kind of think if the company's so great, why are they selling it? Well, you know, I think that's right. Although I, I, this is why I like the fact they didn't sell it. You know, you, you're only going to sell something like in it, if your house is so great, why are you selling it? And the mm. answer is because I think it's worth more than the guy. I think it's worth more than the guy who's buying it from me thinks. Mm. You know, you, you buy and sell all the time. Otherwise I say, well, why would you sell your house? It's worth something. Mm. And you say, well, I've got a better place for the money. Or mm. I don't think, I think this guy's going to pay me more than I think it's worth. So I'll take his money. Mm. And that's the answer, right? And what were Coles, uh, um, West Farm is planning on doing with that cash. They didn't say fixing the balance enough. sheet. I would bet on them buying something else. Yeah. They, they are they're a conglomerate structure. They buy and sell assets as they go. Yeah, um, they would have put that billion and a half to work doing something. Yeah. Um, but the good thing, like I like West Farms. I'm not a shareholder, but it's a recommendation mm -hmm. of ours. Mm. The smart thing was they said, "You're not going to give me enough of this assets. I'll keep it myself." Mm. They've had a really clear-headed analysis and said, "If we get a million, a billion and a half, we're happy. Mm. Less than that, no dice. We'll keep it because it's worth more, more to us, to than us that. just from what we and get." That's, from and that's smart, it, yeah. right? If someone said, "You'll yeah, give you." $5 million for your house, you'd say they'll take it. And Amazon's coming into their calculus too, I assume. Of course, absolutely. Whether or not it's realistic, that's another question. Exactly. But yeah, Mate, listen, it's been great uh, talking with you as always each has, and every hasn't week. It? You've really enjoyed it. I have. It's been, <laughs> it's been a learning experience. I think I've grown as a person. Um, no, no, you've just enjoyed it. And you, it's obviously been great for you. Uh, don't, I, you don't have to answer that, no, mate. You don't I, have to I, answer I that. I appreciate the opportunity to educate you. I, I'm always about that. I, you know. I like to view myself as a teacher. <laughs> A raconteur. Let's wrap the hell up before this gets too much, too, too much more stupid. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Subscribe if you would. Go to the Triple M Motley Fool Money Podcast. Uh, <laughs> help find, me out, Scott. Find, yeah, find the Motley Fool Money Podcast on iTunes or your favorite <laughs> Android podcast app. Or go to www.fool.com.au forward slash Triple M and subscribe to our Take Stock newsletter. And if you're on your favorite Android or Apple podcast app, give us a five-star rating. If only because I've got to deal with Android and that's got to be worth five stars. 
Other than that, Andrew. Done like a pro, mate. Thank you. That's it for this week's Motley Fool Money. Thanks Roll for listening. On. Roll on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.